Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. To another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. I'm your co host, Lucas Johnson, co site expert of the Sixer Sense. I'm here with my other co host, Christopher Klein, co site expert of the Sixer Sense. How are you doing this morning, Chris? I'm doing well, Lucas. How are you? Uh, I'm a little tired, but let's. I, I'm excited. Let's get talking about this because we got two preseason games in the books and we learned a lot in those two preseason games. Yeah, we're recording this one a little early in the morning, but it's always nice to wake up and talk about the Sixers. We're going to go through the games against Guangzhou, which I believe is somewhat close to how you pronounce it, and of course the Charlotte Hornets. Let's start with the first game, Lucas, against Guangzhou, the Long Lions. What were your sort of main takeaways from that game? Uh, my biggest takeaway, um, I guess, would have to be that I'm looking at, well, Ben Simmons jumps a uh, three-point shot, obviously. It was uh, granted. It was it was it was is important not only you know for us as fans because we've been waiting for this for basically three years now, but it's also important to the team because it shows that he's willing to take the shot. The shot was you know it wasn't a heave like you know most of his three pointers have been in the past. I mean, granted, it was at the end of the second quarter. Yeah, defense was you know wasn't up on him, but we don't expect that it to be the majority of the season anyway. Mm -hmm. But you look at it, it was a nice in-rhythm shot. You know, he dribbled up. He had a nice rhythm. It had a nice arc, one in smooth. His form's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect because I think he's shooting with his wrong hand. But you look at Mm -hmm. it, and from a confidence standpoint and from a team building standpoint, you saw the reaction afterwards. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's it's important for a step for him gaining confidence using it in the flow of the game and i really hope that we see it at least one or two more times this preseason but it's a good start yeah um, i'm totally in agreement. like you said it was with the clock winding down so it wasn't truly an in rhythm in the flow of the offense sort of shot but it's nice to see him take one it's nice to see him make it he didn't like bank it in it was a solid swish it was a good looking shot you know, his mechanics are still a little wonky. I, I don't think he's at the point where he's going to take a lot of them this season. But it's it's a step in the right direction. He has looked really good on the whole through two preseason games. You know, that's not saying much. You know, it's been against a Chinese team against Charlotte, which might be the worst NBA team. So they haven't really faced any stiff competition. But Ben, ben we, we heard all summer about the work he's been putting in, and, and it seems to be paying off so far. It seems like these guys are kind of taking it to another level. They seem focused and determined. They're playing really hard defense. So, yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed with Ben to, uh, to this point. 
his aggressiveness is on a whole new level. Before the season started, before the preseason started, I thought Ben as the third leading scorer of the team. Mm-hmm. But with this newfound aggressiveness, you know, honestly, there's a chance he could be the team's second leading scorer. Just, you know, he's getting to the basket at will. And granted, the competition has not been, like, elite. So we can't, you know, speculate if he's going to be able to do that for a whole NBA season. But, mm-hmm. you know, the threat of an outside shot, even if it's, a, like, a mid-ranger, which I think will be more likely. We'll see more mid-rangers than we will three-pointers this season, I'm pretty sure. Honestly, I don't expect to see more than 25 three-pointers from Ben this season in general. But I think it's a good start, and I think we have to see if Ben can keep this up against more stiffer competition, which they will see this evening against the Orlando Magic, which is their next preseason matchup. Yeah, I've never been huge on Ben shooting a bunch of mid-rangers, but like you said, even the threat of an outside shot is a pretty substantial step up for him. I, I definitely think there's a real chance he is the second leading scorer. He's going to have his, the ball in his hands more than anyone else. You know, Sands and Bede. I'm pretty confident that he's going to score more than Richardson and Horford. Tobias is the only one who might kind of challenge him, depending on how well he shoots this season. But, but I, I think there's a real chance. and I, I might go ahead and predict it so that Embiid and Simmons are probably going to be the leading scorers this season. I think that's a fair prediction. Moving on, Chris, what other of the starting five has really impressed you this preseason? For me personally, I, I think both of the new guys have really stood out, obviously in different ways. Horford, you know, he's always been kind of the consummate glue guy. He hasn't shot particularly great, but he his three-point shot looks good. He's getting them off quickly. He obviously has the green light from deep. His defense looks as solid as ever um, again not against elite competition but for a 33 year old who's moving up a spot in the rotation to the four him looking quick and spry is, is a good sign and then you know brett brown called josh richardson the team's mortar before the season and he's really kind of living up to that role he's obviously not jj or jimmy but he's kind of filling that gap in a way running a lot of dhos kind of coming around screens Getting, getting in between, hitting some mid-range shots. I think his passing is really underrated attribute. So I, I've really liked what I've seen out of both of the, the new guys so far. I have to agree. I think Horford, you got to remember in college, he was a power forward. And for most of the NBA, he's been playing center. So in a way, not not maybe when, when it comes to, you know, the pound and ground, but when it comes to like using, you know, vertic- uh, lateral quickness, his body's been preserved for the most part. So that's that's been a good sign for him. I think when you um, look at Jace, uh, Josh Richardson, I was about to say Jason Richardson, call back to the process, <laughs> right? So when, when you look at Josh Richardson, I think he has a lot to offer to the team. Like you said, the mortar guy. And I I was, I was some, I think it was Rich Hoffman that recorded. It was either Rich Hoffman or uh, Keith Pompey that recorded Brett Brown saying that in the playoffs and, the, and later in the regular season, he might end up using Richardson as a point guard, which I speculated over the summer that might be the case. And I think that's really true because he is really underrated as a playmaker. He averaged uh, around the same amount of assists that uh, Trey Burke has for his career. And I'll get to Burke later on in this podcast because I do I want to touch on his preseason so far. Um, but Richardson has so much more to offer. And he's, you're right, he's a good combination. You know, he's a good middle ground between what J.J. and... Butler were able to offer last season. You know, we see a lot of dribble handoffs with him. That's great. Defensively, he's a better matchup against opposing point guards than mm-hmm. Butler was. Not to say that Butler is bad because obviously he, he can hold his own. You know, he's an elite defender. But, you know, build-wise, mm-hmm. build, build wise, 
Richardson's much more, you know, built for the job, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. So I like that. And I think overall, I think the others, uh, I'm not really going to touch on Joel because we really didn't see him all that much this preseason. But I, I think Tobias Harris, he's trying on defense. He's definitely putting in the effort defensively, mm-hmm. which is good because he's playing up a position at small forward. And it's not that he hasn't played it before, but his more natural position, especially on defense, is power forward. So yeah. We need to see if he can hold up against more elite small forwards because, you know, Charlotte definitely doesn't have it and the Lions definitely don't. But I think, you know, we have a good start with Harris and hopefully his three-point shot starts falling soon. But it's preseason, so I'm not too worried about it right now. But I think overall the starting five shows a lot of promise. Yeah, and going back to what you said about Jay Rich, he had that great quote not too long ago where he said he's not going to be Jimmy Reddick. But like you said, he's kind of a middle ground there. Brett's going to run a lot of the same plays for him. Like we've mentioned dribble handoffs. He's going to come around a lot of screens. He's not going to move quite as much as JJ did, but he's he's obviously not going to hit the same like sprinting fall away off balance threes. But he has that mid-range game. He can get into the teeth of the defense, sort of like Jimmy could. And, and I do think he's going to play some point guard. He's Saw some point guard-ish minutes in Miami, so it's not like he's never done that before. And I think there's obviously a need for it in Philadelphia. And, and offensively, you mentioned Tobias. I don't think he's going to have a problem at the three. Defense is definitely where the concern is there. He's all summer about wanting to improve on that end, working on his lateral quickness. He's definitely trying. I think the Sixers have the personnel to kind of make up for it if he isn't great. He has played the three before. He played it quite a bit in Los Angeles, so it's not like he's never done it before, and it, it's not like it hasn't been successful in the past. So there's a lot to like. The starting five is going to be really, really good. The team as a whole is going to be a really, really tough defensive squad. I'd be borderline shocked if the Sixers are in a top three or five defense at the absolute worst. It's kind of a high bar to set, but barring injury, if everyone's healthy and out there consistently, even if Embiid misses 10 or so games for rest. I think the Sixers in the season is a top three or five defense for sure. And just moving on, what has stood out most to you in the second unit so far? Well, I think the obvious answer here is uh, Matisse Thibel. The guys, he honestly, I think there's a chance that if, you know, it sounds like Brett Brown, according to Rich Hoffman, it sounds like Brett Brown's wanting to give Matisse a significant role off the bench and being one of the first players off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's the case, and I'm I'm picturing around 20, 22 minutes per game at that type of role, there's a chance, honestly, he could make the all-defensive team, like se- uh, probably second-team all-defense. But honestly, you look at it, the guy is – we haven't seen a shot-blocking guard like him since Dwayne Wade's prime. And I know it's just the preseason, but you look at his college numbers, you look at his summer league numbers, you look at his preseason numbers, they're all about consistent. They're all consistent around three steals and between one and two blocks per game. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, as a rookie, that's unheard of. But if he averages, let's just say he averages one block and two steals per game and has a defensive rating of 100, right? Mm-hmm. That's good enough to get most people all NBA defensive team honors. Am, am I wrong? No. So, I think, you know, and I and I just I published this this morning about how his defense, he could honestly, he might not be as versatile as Ben or his elite rim defender as Embiid, but he might end up being the team's best defender in short order 
maybe not this season, but it, it could happen. Or maybe as soon as next season, he could be the team's top defender. Because, uh, you know, I just I think his defensive ceiling is honestly all time great wing defenders. You look at like play players like Shane Battier or, you know, Kawhi mm. Leonard, you know, honestly, he could be on those levels. Like just based off of what we've seen so far, and then we're not even talking about the you know the scrimmage between blue and white. Like what did he have? Like I don't even know the number of steals that he had in that, but I yeah. I, I think it was close to double digits, wasn't it? Yeah, that, he was all over the place in that. So I you know it's a scrimmage, but you get the you get the point. He irritated Ben Simmons and you know mm-hmm. offensively. So I think he has a real chance. And you know Embiid compared him to Robert Covington, but honestly defensively he I think he has a higher ceiling than Robert, and that's hard to for me to even fathom because Robert's already an elite defender in this league. If he was on a contender, he'd be defensive player of the year. So look at Matisse. And being compared to Robert as a rookie, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. That's just one player. I'll, I'll let you talk about Matisse yeah. before I get into the other players that I want to talk about off the bench. Yeah, and I think last season before he got hurt, Robert was my defensive player of the year pick. I mean, he, he had Minnesota, who was a notoriously bad defense, playing pretty solid defense, basically just by being there. Robert's mm-hmm. like... I think an insanely underrated player. I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I think he's going to help Minnesota a lot this season. And I, I do think it's a fair comparison. They're obviously both, both him and Matisse are just ridiculously smart off the ball, getting into passing lanes. You know, you know their defensive IQs are really high. I think Al talked earlier um, after in one of his press availabilities about just how smart Matisse is and how quickly he's picking up on things. I think that's something Brett is going to take notice of or has taken notice of. You know, he hasn't been big on playing younger players in the past. Mm-hmm. Matisse is shooting well. He's guarding really well. And he's really smart. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's not uncomfortable out there. And I think those are, that's a really big deal for him. I still think Ennis is probably going to be the first guy off the bench to start the year. But I, I would not shock me at all if before the season's over, Matisse is the first guy off the bench. I, I do think it's important to maybe temper expectations a little bit since we've only seen him in a scrimmage in two preseason games. He wasn't great in Vegas. He was solid. So we don't have the biggest sample size yet, but he has looked really special. They've all been talking him up in camp and after practices. You put up some ridiculous defensive numbers at Washington and through a couple games, his numbers are pretty much on par with those. So he's he's been thoroughly impressive. I have much higher expectations for him now than I did a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There are obviously advantages of being a four-year college player and in, in what it does for your adjustment period in the NBA, but he, he might just might be a special case. And, you know, we've mentioned the starting five and how elite – that group is going to be defensively. If, if Thibel puts himself anywhere in that tier as a defender, the Sixers are going to be pretty much a lockdown group. I mean, if you can replace Tobias with Matisse at the end of games when you need to get a stop, teams are going to have a really tough time scoring on Philly. So it, it's really an impressive group. And Matisse has really shined, I think, more than maybe anyone else through three games. He's really been the top of the team. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And what uh, I think, I think if if Matisse ends up being this good defensively, uh, his rookie season, as we now have put the pressure on him, he could end up making the All Rookie Team. 
you know, he just needs to sure. hit a decent clip of three pointers and, you know, average maybe about six, seven points a game. And honestly, I, which I think is totally mm-hmm. possible, makes all rookie team. And I believe yeah. one of our writers recently wrote about that. So check that out yeah. on, on our website, guys. Um, I mean, but no, yeah. I, I, so moving on to another preseason, you know, player that I, you, that's uh, made an impression on me. You got to look at Kyle Quinn. Kyle Quinn, you know, I thought he was a bargain when we got him in free agency on a one-year minimum, which is crazy because he was a solid starter for the Knicks two seasons ago. He got buried in the depth chart in, in Pacerland because, let's face it, they have two starting centers on their roster, basically. And then, so so you look at O'Quinn, he's, his passing has been phenomenal. I think being around Al Horford has definitely made a positive impact there. And we know what he can do on, the, on rebounding and defensively. So you look at those two things, and I think he... He's going to make it hard for Brett Brown to want to stagger Horford and Embiid at the center spot when both are playing. I think he definitely gives Horford. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Horford at the five most nights. Um, we might see a little bit here and there, but I don't. I think the majority of the five minutes now are going to go to Quinn just based off how good he's playing this preseason. Like, unless it's a high leverage situation and Embiid is in foul trouble or not, and you know, just you know, needs rest, I think mm-hmm. we'll see O'Quinn in as the reserve. So I think that's definitely made a positive impact there. He's, he's I think preseason so far has definitely helped his case for getting more minutes at the center spot. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would go as far to say as to say Al won't get a lot of minutes at center. I think Brett is going to do a pretty good job of staggering him and Embiid. And, and I do think Al's going to spend some time at the five. But Oakland will help get both of them extra rest. I think he's, he, you know, he's kind of a run-of-the-mill backup at this point in his career, but Philly hasn't really had that at center recently. You know, last season, Boban was really matchup dependent. Greg Monroe, Jonah Bolden, etc., Amir, they weren't really good in at that point. O'Quinn is actually like someone you can play in an important game, which is really a step up, if nothing else. I think he's always been a really solid passer, you know, from the high post. He's going to move the ball. He's going to get teammates open. He's he's kind of the perfect bet for Brett. Nothing too special, but he's going to rebound. He's going to defend the paint. He's a strong frame, and he's going to move the ball. So that's really all you need out of him. We've seen him attempt a few threes. He really let it fly in the scrimmage. That would be a really positive development, and I think that would help him stay on the floor in those important games. So, yeah, I, I do think we're going to see Kyle pretty consistently this season. I think Embiid and Horford still get the majority of those center minutes, but I think O'Quinn is probably a regular rotation piece for sure. Yeah, I think he'll get at least 10 to 12 minutes of center minutes per game. I think that's I think that's a fair expectation for him this season. Moving on to some players that haven't really made the most of their opportunities this preseason. I'm going to start out with uh, Shake Milton, who recently got his first start with the Sixers in the preseason uh, game against the Charlotte Hornets. He didn't play bad. You know, he shot two of five, didn't convert any of his three-point attempts, but that's that's fine. He only had one rebound, one assist. For a player who's fighting for for a rotation, any, any type of role off the bench this year, I, I was a little disappointed to see that he didn't, he couldn't make more of the opportunity. 
I'm sure he wanted to, but uh, it just didn't happen there. And this might have been his only opportunity. He this might end up being his only opportunity to do so this preseason. I you know there's a chance now that he could end up even though he got a new a four year deal with the Sixers this summer, he could end up now playing with the uh, Blue Coats this uh, season for the stretches of of the uh, regular season just because they he needs to continue to develop. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's been, you know, there's conversations that he's in the race for the uh, point guard minute role. But honestly, it doesn't look like he's ready for it. And I just I, I think it's going to be hard for him to bust that rotation, especially now that he didn't, you yeah. know, he hasn't made the most of any of his opportunities in the preseason games thus far. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, we've seen a pretty decent amount of talk with regard to shake and maybe competing for that backup point guard spot. But from what we saw in Vegas this summer, he really doesn't look comfortable as a lead guard. He doesn't really have the explosiveness, the quickness, or the shiftiness to to really carry that mantle. Philadelphia is unique in that they have other players who can kind of help carry that load. Obviously, Ben, Richardson, Tobias can all handle the ball. So it's a little bit different with the real squad. But I I don't think he's really a true point guard. I think he's more comfortable in an off-ball role. I think the Sixers would like him to, to earn the backup point guard minutes because I'm not sure Trey Burke or Raul Neto, Raul Neto are guys that you can really rely on in the playoffs consistently. I yeah, think especially in, an ideal word, in, an, in, a, in an ideal world, he does earn the backup point guard spot, but I'm not sure I see that happening. I think it probably goes to Neto, maybe Burke. We have seen Burke a, lot, a bit more this preseason. Um, and, and the talk about him has been fairly positive, you know, in practices and camp. So, you know, it, it could go either way there, but I, I don't think Shake is going to have a rotation spot to start the season. I, I tend to agree. I don't think he's going to have a rotation spot. I think he's going to either be on the bench or in Delaware. Um, hitting on Neto and uh, Burke's battle, that's probably been the most interesting preseason battle positional wise thus far too i think obviously you look at burke he can be a spark plug off the bench you know he can get you 10 points anywhere from 10 to 20 points any given night and you know like you said there has been positives said about him in the preseason from ben al horford and rep brown and then you know you look at Neto, he's more of a t- traditional backup point guard he can run the offense he can make shots if he needs to but he's not going to he he's not going to you know he can't spark a um a comeback from you know if the team's down from anything he can't he's not going to carry the load for a stretch period of time and and for me personally I think when you look at the second unit you don't really have many offensive options so I think you know I think uh, it depends on if the starters are in I think Neto would be a better choice but if you have a majority of backups in at that point I think Burke mm-hmm. would be more of an option because he can create his own offense which Outside of, well, Ben's looking like he can create his own offense. Let's see if he can incorporate that mid-range jumper this year, at least. I know you're not big on the mid-rangers, but it's, you got to start somewhere. And then Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. But if none of them are in, I'd say you put in Trey Burke, because I think Trey Burke can definitely be that igniter off the bench. And I personally, we, this is the discussion that me and you have had multiple times. I'm pro Burke. You're pro Neto. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I might be. I'm. I'm tended to fall in the pro birth group. Oh really? Oh really? I yeah. thought. I thought you were. I thought you were pro Neto. Mm, I mean, I've written about Trey being the better option before. I'm, uh, that's right. You have. You I've have. been in the Burke camp all summer. Okay, mm-hmm. that's right. I. You're, I'm just lower on Neto than you are. That's right. Yeah. I just don't think Neto's going to stay healthy. I just. I can't trust yeah. it. Four seasons Very in possible. a row. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think that the point guard battle, I think Burke's going to end up winning it. But don't be surprised if we see Neto off and on again, just whenever Burke struggles. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be whoever has the hot hand at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how it's going to work at the point guard spot this year. And then you look at, uh, so moving on, uh, I'm thinking of another player that has not had a good preseason, and I think of Jonah Bolden. Bolden looks more or less the same that he did last year. He can be an efficient scorer sometimes, you know, rebound the ball, but turnovers and fouls seem to still plague him. And I was really Mm -hmm. hoping that wouldn't be the case this summer, this year. I really, I think if he played with Australia team, I think it would have helped him. And I think him pulling out probably hurt his development yeah i mean i'm not i'm not sure if we we can really know that for sure it, it did get him extra time with the sixers and with their coaching staff so you know it it's a give and take sort of thing it didn't seem like he was going to be a, a real part of the rotation with australia so i think i understand his decision um on that front but yeah with how solid O'Quinn has looked and with the Sixers really wanting to compete, I'm not really sure there's a path to minutes for Bolden. Obviously, Mike Scott's going to get more playing time as well. I've always really liked Bolden as a prospect. You know, before he got into the league, he showed a lot of promise as someone who could handle the ball in transition, who could pass on the move, and had all these really unique kind of modern-day big man traits, but he hasn't really been able to unlock those in the NBA yet. His three-point shot is still a little iffy. His defense, we'll see where, you know, his maturity falls on that end if he, he can kind of cut down on the fouls this this season. But, the, the, you know, it's still, he's really not in the greatest spot. Yeah, I, I really just don't think we should have much in terms of expectations for Jonah this season in, until further notice. It's a shame, too, because he does, like you said, he has all the tools needed to be a unique stretch big in today's game you know i see him more personally as a four than a five but he can play both but i think you're right i think honestly there's a chance he could play more g league games this year than he did last year mm-hmm. and so it'd be just to help yeah. him develop because you know last year i think it was a little unfair to throw him right into the fire but the sixers didn't really have a choice at that point for sure um and, so and i, I think, do think yeah I, I do think philly is a great spot for him with in, in terms of he can spend time with both Embiid or Horford on the floor this season, both of whom are elite, you know, kind of rim protectors who can kind of hold down the fort. So I do think that's a positive, and I think that would help him a lot, but I'm just not sure where or how he cracks the rotation at this point, unless he really shows out in practice. And, you know, Brett wants to play him over on Quinn, which I doubt happens. It's just going to be really tough for him. Mm-hmm. So any other uh, players stick out to you this preseason this far? I mean, I mean, in a bad way, Sort of Zaire obviously hasn't been super impressive or super involved, which I think has surprised a lot of people. It has certainly surprised me. I, I expected a lot out of Zaire coming into the season. As a group, when we did our ranking the Sixers project, we had him eighth on the team. And I was pretty confident in that ranking. I mean, he looked really good this summer. He's been with the team for a year longer than Matisse. But at this point, I'm not sure Zaire has a rotation spot. I don't think he does. You can argue that he should. And and I think there's a fair argument there. But I don't think he does. And he just hasn't really been a big part of what Brett has done. We haven't really seen him until the fourth quarters of these preseason games, which is kind of surprising. But, you know, it's been an interesting development. And I think a lot of it has to do with just how good Matisse has looked. But, um, yeah, it's just it's been a really quiet preseason for Zaire, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I tend to agree that I was definitely shocked to see that he wasn't a bigger part of the rotation. But we knew one of the one one out of uh, Zaire 
Matisse and, and uh, James would have to end up being the odd man out. We knew James wasn't going to be it just based on his veteran status and how, you know, how good he is as a three and D player. So you definitely, I guess, you know, I guess we all thought Zaire would definitely be the one in because he's, you know, a year older, but we also, well, not a year older, but has a year more experience. We have to remember Zaire came in as a raw prospect last year yeah. and he lost most of last year due to the, you know, you know, reaction. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is really kind of his rookie year this year. And if I had to take, you know, Zaire, you know, younger player in Zaire or, you know, seasoned, not a season, but a older, more mature player like Matisse, I guess I can't blame Brown for that. I guess I just never thought about it like that. So that's on yeah. me there. Um, I mean, Matisse is older. He's he's the older prospect. He's played more basketball in his career. Mm-hmm. He's been a much more established player for a much longer time. Zaire really wasn't like a high-profile freshman. He kind of came out of nowhere after playing power forward at 6'3 in high school and at Tech. So Zaire has definitely been kind of... Maybe we kind of overshot the projection there. I do think Zaire is very smart in his own right. has a very high basketball IQ. I think he has special potential as an on-ball defender. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I don't think he should be out of Philly's plans. I think he's definitely someone you can bank on long term. I have very little doubt about that. But mm-hmm. this season, at this point, it seems very clear that I think the majority of people betting Zaire over Matisse was probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. Matisse just looks and feels like the more ready player at this point, which makes plenty of sense. It's not really a surprise when you put it in context. I just don't think enough people really did until we, we started watching these preseason games. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely that. I think that's a fair case. And, you know, I don't think we'll see him a lot in Delaware just because I think he'll be like that 10th or 11th player off the bench. Like he'll probably end up being that. But I just, you know, he, we I think we over I think me, I think most of us overestimated his, you know, his ability to get on the court. And it's not because he's not good. It's just that he's inexperienced and still relatively a raw talent. Now, don't get me wrong. I've, you know, I've seen reports about players raving about his three point shooting this preseason, you know, in training camp, but still, I mean, that's just part of the game. And, you know, I think this is going to be, I, 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 it's hard to count last season as Zaire's rookie season. I mean, yes, he played six games, but this is going to be the year where he, we really see a lot of development this year, I think with Zaire. And I think next year will be that year that he breaks out. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think it's out of the question that Zaire, you know, breaks through. I don't think it's impossible, but um, yeah, I think Ennis, Thibault and Scott are probably the core pieces in the second unit. And then O'Quinn and one of Burke or Neto are going to probably be 9 and 10. I don't mm-hmm. think Brett's going to roll with 11 people during the regular season. I don't think he needs to. And I don't think Philly would do that. I don't see why they would, given their status as a contender. But mm-hmm. Zaire's probably number 11 pretty comfortably. I don't think Bolden, Shake, or Furkan are more important to the team. Um, so I, I do think we're going to see some minutes from Zaire. He's going to get garbage time run if the Sixers are blowing someone out, obviously. We're going to see him. But I, I think <laughs> it's fair to say right now that he is not a part of the regular rotation. Yeah. Speaking of Furkan, um you know I've been critical of, of that re-signing all offseason. I, I think it was a terrible move for multiple reasons. Ruined about it. But I think, you know, and it's not against – it's not because Cork Moss doesn't has, have talent, but, but Philly's not the right team for him to develop on because he's he's not a good defender. Mm-hmm. So 
And he needs time to develop his shot, obviously. So if Philly's not the right team, I thought he was going to go to a rebuilding team like maybe the Hawks, the Knicks, uh, the Hornets. All of them would have been better options for him well, to develop versus. Yeah. Well, it seemed versus- like earlier in the summer that he had it lined up to go back overseas, back to Turkey. Um, so he, Philly might have been the only team interested in him. So I'm not sure if he really has it's, options on that front. It sounds like um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan either. I, I didn't really see the point. Obviously, he's still younger, former first-round pick. So it makes some sense in a way. I mean, but, you got to try to get some value back on that and giving it one more yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that I mean, portion of it. There aren't too many great options on the market at this point. So taking a flyer on the younger guy who's been around the team for a while makes some sense. You know, it's not like the worst move ever. He's the 15th guy on the bench. Mm-hmm. He's looked pretty good so far. He looked good in the scrimmage. He, he He's looked okay. If he can do more just, as a ball handler, his strength is up, then maybe he does some nice things. He I, shooting. So it, it's not the worst move. But, yeah, like you said, I didn't really understand it at the time. I don't think he's going to do much this season. Uh, it's just kind of like a throwing move for me. I, I would have preferred J.R. Smith over over Corkmouse, to be honest with you. But, yeah. yeah, I think you're right that he's definitely going to be at the very end of the bench this year. Yeah. And honestly, you should play with the blue coats if he wants run because i don't think he's gonna get that with philly very often i don't think he suits up most nights to be honest with you mm-hmm. um i'm not sure if this will be the case but he he should be firmly behind in his cyborg smith and milton i'm not sure if he'll be behind milton in the rotation but he should be yeah i mean the jr smith thing i i understand that jr is probably a better player at this point and obviously philly wants to win but we also haven't seen jr play competitive basketball in a really long time there's probably a reason he hasn't been signed yet and furcon's a lot younger so maybe you hit the jackpot i, I understand the decision making to a degree and, and and with the 15th spot it's really kind of a shot in the dark at that point yeah uh, i guess you take a flyer on the 15th yeah, spot i think yeah, i Elton, and Brett probably just prioritized him being in the system for a couple of years already and kind of knowing his way around things. I think that's what made the difference probably. But but like you said, it it's really not much of anything at this point. So I, I, I got one more question for you, Chris, and then I think we're going to wrap this up. But looking back now, based off of what we've seen so far from Matisse this preseason, does the trade that you know the Sixers used to trade up to get him does that seem more worth it now than it did, you know, a month ago? Mm. I mean, I guess, yeah. It's still, I think, too early to make a definitive claim there. If Philly had waited, you know, there's a chance they get their hands on someone like Grant Williams or Kevin Porter, who I had higher on my initial draft board than Matisse. I had Matisse 15th. I think I had Grant somewhere around 13th. So they're in the same tier. You know, there are other guys that kind of fell into that range. Um, but Matisse has looked really good. If he lives up to his ceiling on defense, he's going to be a really big part of this rotation. And I think there's a very real chance that he outperforms his draft slot. Again, I still had him 15th, which is higher than 20th. So I think it was a good, very good value in a vacuum anyways. We'll see what Carson Edwards does. I don't think he's going to be much more than like an end-of-the-bench guy in Boston this season. Um, I like his skill package a lot, but he is one of the smaller guys um, on that team, and it's tough for smaller guys to get consistent run nowadays. So, But I, I do like Carson. I think he would have been really solid in Philly. But you know, we'll see. I, I think it's too early to make any definitive claims there. But Matisse has looked good. I think it was a strong value. 
And I understand why Philly was so high on him and why they wanted to make that trade. So, yeah, we'll see. But I, I think it's kind of 50-50 at this point. We can't really tell for sure. I think that's a fair assessment. All right, so we're going to wrap up here. But one last thing, Chris. are you? What are your predictions for Markel Fultz in the preseason matchup tonight against the Atlanta Magic? Because it's going to be the first mm-hmm. time Fultz plays against Sixers. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I mean, at this point, uh, at this point, he hasn't looked too great, unfortunately, this summer. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a few shots up. Maybe he has an extra, you know, some extra pep in his step since it's Philly. Uh, I would certainly understand why that's the case. I'm sure he'll look like he's looked all all preseason so far. You know, he'll have some extra aggressiveness. He'll get to his spots. He'll play solid defense, but he, he just hasn't shown that he can consistently knock down shots yet. And, and until that happens, he's always going to be a pretty limited player. You know, I'm still rooting for him on a personal level. I really feel for what he's had to go through. But, yeah, we'll see. I don't think we should expect anything major. I don't think he's going to go off for 30 points or anything. So, you know, just kind of a run-of-the-mill performance at this point. Yeah, I tend to agree, and honestly, I I think based off what I've seen in the box score for Orlando so far, that former uh, former point guard Mike Carter Williams is ahead of Fultz in the depth chart at the point guard spot. Yeah, I know MCW. For MCW. MCW got the start against Atlanta. I don't think he's going to be there obviously in the regular season once Fournier is back, but MCW is definitely a part of that rotation. He looked pretty good the second half of last season. Like he looked like a solid player in. You know, he, he was a solid player for a lot of his career. I think people maybe wrote him off a bit too soon. Uh, we tend to do that with guards who can't shoot. <laughs> but I think I think he's definitely a part of that rotation. He's obviously a very long, talented defender, which is what Orlando is built on. So he fits the mold in that respect. But yeah, I think Fultz is probably third on that depth chart behind Augustine and MTW at this point. All righty. Well, that's uh, that's finishes up here chris you want to you want to finish it out for us well thank you guys again for listening you can follow us on twitter at six or cents you can follow lucas on twitter at lucas johnson mba and you can follow me on twitter at klein mba k-l-i-n-e thanks again guys we will have more episodes here in the near future as the season progresses you can subscribe download etc on itunes spreaker wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.